Welcome to The Rot Focus, a podcast for rotters, newbies, and veterans, and everyone in between. We're hosted by M.A. Lee with the assistance of Remy Black and Edie Runes, all from Rotters Inc. Books. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Each episode lasts as long as it takes to fix a quick dinner, drive a short commute, or take a brisk walk. Resources and links are in the show notes. Visit us at therockfocus.blogspot.com. Now, on to this week's episode. This week's episode continues our deeper and richer analysis of the stages of the greatest plot structure for writers. Stage three is the refusal of the call, which is just as necessary as the destruction that occurs in stage two, Call to Adventure. Stage four presents one of the most intriguing and labyrinthine characters in story structure, the mentor. Got those loins girded? We're delving ever deeper into the archetypal story pattern. Stage three, refusal of the call. Fools rush in. Here's a quote from Lewis Carroll that's inspiring and on point for this stage. But I don't want to go among mad people, said Alice. Oh, you can't help that, said the cat. We're all mad here. Only a fool, standing on the tracks and seeing a train approaching, will not jump out of the way. The refusal of the call to adventure is just as necessary as the call to adventure itself. Here is the time to engage all aspects of the protagonist, intellectual, physical, emotional. We need to have our refusal of the call really emphasize the refusal. If you've done the work in ordinary world and call to adventure, then staging the refusal of the call is a bare hesitation. In Taken and Velocity, see the previous stage. The refusal of the call skips through this stage in a bare minimum scene. The writers can get away with this omission because they presented their protagonist's earlier trauma that steeled them to confront any evil. Few stories, however, have a protagonist already primed to accept personal destruction. If the dearness of the cherished sacrifice was omitted in the first stages, we have to present it now. The refusal of the call gives the protagonist the opportunity to grieve over the destruction of the deer. The protagonist should also recognize that something even more cherished is now at stake or make plans to recover the dear one. Any consequences, equally personal, that arise from the sacrifice develop in the refusal of the call. A lie revealed has consequences far beyond the moment of the revelation. How far-reaching are those consequences? A broken relationship is not the end of the world. This revelation can bolster the protagonist as they start to rebuild their world. Now is the time to hint, but not unveil, the better relationship to come. The destroyed sacrifice should not have an easy replacement. Various replacements can be tried, only for the protagonist to realize their inadequacy. Don't neglect the evil. The antagonist must also be considered in the refusal of the call. Defeating the antagonist must seem impracticable or even impossible. Development of a worthy antagonist pays off here. 
Defeating this conflict creator will require even more sacrifice from the protagonist. Jobs not yet done. The refusal of the call must also foreshadow the first step on the journey. Now is the time to hint at the driving force that leads to the journey's first step. Remember the dual aspect of the protagonist? These positive and negative aspects need to come into balance as they propel or coerce their protagonist into the transforming journey. The conflict of the dual self, the yin unbalanced with the yang, can be clarified when we consider the protagonist in relation to the five psychological stages of maturity. While these are originally geared to present the maturation of an individual from birth to senior citizen, they are applicable to the hero's journey. Remember, the journey is the development of a new identity separate from the collective, a self that is emerging from the group distinct and totally individual. Each level of the five psychological stages also provides rich ground for character development, and the best stories develop characters. What are the five psychological stages? The first is identity, which usually occurs in infancy. Who am I? Who do I belong with? Who is in my group? What is the reason I identify with them? What are my good and evil traits, even though I may not want to admit them? Second, training, which usually occurs in childhood. This is acquisition of necessary skills. The child plays at adult jobs. The child also learns rules, like sharing, which turns the little barbarian savage into a member of the larger community. Learning the basic requirements of culture is also essential. Third, responsibility for self, which usually occurs at the youth stage. At this point, people do not need others to take care of them. This stage's protagonists are greatly uneasy when circumstances force them back to being tended by others. This is an important stage for a young adult, an inability or unwillingness to perform the requisite duties and responsibilities is a flashing sign that a person is still in the childhood stage. 4. Duties and Responsibilities for Other Which usually occurs when we are adults. Whether the protagonists perform these duties happily or sourly, willingly or begrudgingly, with great anticipation or with trudging depression, maturing adults will meet their obligations. Many middle-aged adults forced into taking responsibilities for others too soon will revert to the responsibility for self stage three. They often abandon their own children, quit that great job when family depends on the salary, or ignore obligations to their parents and others to spend time doing what they want to do. These are not the people pursuing long-delayed dreams. These are the people who completely abandon all duties and begin to act half their age. And they are rich fodder for antagonists. Fifth stage, altruism, which usually occurs in maturity. The great mark of the fulfilled soul is altruism. Giving up what is held most dear for the benefit of others can be the impetus for change and is the realization of maturation. Whether we use the information we discover about our protagonist with the five psychological stages, 
It helps us to comprehend their heights and depths. A Man Called Horse by Dorothy Johnson, which we talked about in an earlier section, presents these five psychological stages through the conflict of a white upper-class culture with Native American culture in pre-Civil War America. Identity, ordinary world. A young man of excellent social and economic standing has left his home. Called to adventure, he wants to be considered a king, which tells us much about his personal esteem. Seeking a new identity for himself, he travels to the western frontier where he thinks white men are kings. This reveals his low self-esteem. Refusal of the call occurs when he's captured by the crow while bathing and bloodied by their abuse. He enters their society as a babe enters the world. His new identity is slave. Training and responsibilities for self is the test allies and enemies and beyond stage. He must learn his new group and their ways, their language, their social structure, and the jobs appropriate for a slave and a male in that society. Responsibilities for others? He climbs from being a slave to being the cherished husband of a young woman. All he wants to do is escape, but he cannot. His new wife is pregnant with his child. He has a duty he cannot and will not abandon. The ordeal of the story occurs when a miracle happens. It's the horrible kind of miracle that pairs the cherished deer with death. The road backstage, with the death of his wife and baby, he can escape, or he can stay and care for his mother-in-law, the woman he was enslaved to until her death. Which leads us to his maturation and his resurrection of his self, being reborn as a new and better person. He achieves altruism when he sacrifices three more years of his life, caring for his mother-in-law until her natural death. Only then does he return home. He had anticipated that he would brag about his exploits. We find, though, that he merely says he lived with the crow for a while. And the last stage, return with the elixir, the great reward, the great treasure. He achieves the greatest truth. He is the equal of any man on earth. He needs no one. No one needs him. He can give of himself whenever he needs to. He is the equal to anything that he must endure because he survived it. The protagonist horse achieves a mortal apotheosis. He rushed into an adventure. He faced transforming threats. He sacrificed his cherished deer and he became noble. This is something we all want to achieve, a standing far above the ordinary collective. As protagonists embark on their journey, they need wiser eyes which leads us to stage four, the meeting with the mentor. Stage four, meeting with the mentor, wiser eyes. Here's an on-point quote for this section by Clarissa Piccola Estes from her book, Women Who Run With the Wolves. In mythos and in fairy tale, deities and other great spirits test the hearts of humans by showing up in various forms that disguise their identity. They show up in robes, rags, silver sashes, and muddy feet. Think about the mentors that you've seen. Yoda, Q, 
Nanny McPhee, Spock, Gandalf, Jarvis, Dumbledore, Mary Poppins, Merlin. Mentors all. Mentors can be wizened old people who give the protagonist vital information as the quest begins. They can be wise or foolish, mysterious or hackneyed, a little deranged or icily aloof, incredibly awe-inspiring, are so humble that rabbits love them. They can become much beloved when they recur in a series, even as they create challenges or pose riddles that the protagonist must understand. Stories can have more than one mentor. Protagonists who are blind can stumble from one mentor to the next, and writers can play with trustworthy mentors and deceitful ones. Basically, all mentors fall into one of the following classifications and may actually represent more than one of these. First, guide and teacher, advisor. The traditional example is Merlin of the Arthurian myths. Second, gift giver. Classical myths are filled with examples of heroes seeking out mentors who give advice along with a magical sword or winged shoes. Three, a nexus, a central figure who draws several people together. Four, obstacle. This mentor may take the form of a monster who asks riddling questions, like the sphinx that Oedipus confronts. Occasionally, the mentor will have a protege, someone training to replace the mentor. Several stories place this protege in the position of protagonist, and leaving the mentor's aegis becomes the first step in an adventure. The mentor often represents a father figure, someone that we look up to and trust to make wise decisions for us. Those last two words are the key to problems with the mentor. No protagonist should seek a mentor to make a decision for her or for him. To rely on someone else to make the decision for us is to remain in the child's position to the mentor. Part of the protagonist's transformative journey is to judge any and all advice and decide whether to follow it or not. When the protagonist works with the mentor as part of a professional group, then reliance on the mentor's advice is an automatic given. In the film Taken, the protagonist's mentor served as a member of his team. This mentor served as a nexus, gathering information from various sources. His scope was limited by location and technological abilities, but what he could do seemed nearly magical. A trust issue between the protagonist and his mentor was non-existent. If the mentor does not begin as a member of the protagonist's trusted team, then the protagonist will often question whether they should trust the mentor. Many mentors outside the team should not have the same agenda as the protagonist. This means that their advice will serve their own purpose. A wise protagonist knows to judge carefully any information received. A mentor's assistance may continue throughout the story, and the hidden purpose of the advice can create angst for the protagonist and for the reader, or the mentor may work with the protagonist only temporarily. Mentors can be sisters, mothers, fathers, beloved aunts, wizened grandfathers, or old men playing chess on park benches. The character who is the mentor can have any role in modern life. 
A friend or sibling is typically cast as a mentor. Break the typical. That requires building scenes, however, and some stories dependent on word count don't offer the pages necessary to add in those scenes. Chance met strangers can offer a single striking phrase that a protagonist must puzzle out over several scenes. Casting a casual acquaintance like a barista or the doorman or the Uber driver as someone who will give advice because they know and understand the protagonist is not realistic. That level of comprehension is not possible through casual acquaintance. As writers, however, we can craft these people as savants who have wisdom falling from their lips like the many jewels that fell from the lips of the barefoot girl beside the well in the fairy tale, Diamonds and Toads. When mentors become more than mentors. In the Star Wars canon, Anakin Skywalker is an example of a protege who failed to achieve the status that his mentor desired for him. Instead, he fell under the shield of an evil emperor and had to be defeated by his own son to escape that control. Luke Skywalker works through his own studies with a mentor and his own failures until he becomes a mentor as well and contends with his failures in that role. Harry Potter's Dumbledore becomes a beloved mentor, yet Harry learns just as much and more from the oft-reviled Severus Snape. When Harry becomes a mentor to the other students practicing magic at Hogwarts, he begins to understand the great responsibilities that teachers have to their students and to the overall goal. This understanding informs his decision to destroy the Elder Wand at the series' end. In Jane Austen's Persuasion, the formerly trusted mentor serves as an obstacle for the protagonist. Burned by the mentor's advice several years prior, the protagonist now listens to the mentor before beginning to question the advice. The mentor, Lady Russell, ignores Anne Elliot's protest. Lady Russell knows only what she personally wanted. She obviously views Anne as a representation of herself. We, the audience, know that Lady Russell's advice is wrong, and we hope that Anne will quickly come to that realization. As the story progresses, Anne encounters another mentor character, her crippled friend, Mrs. Smith, who serves as a guide merely because she provides information. Because Mrs. Smith does not advise, Anne must come to depend upon her own tuition and heart, the two things that she had previously ignored. Frederick Wentworth also comes to realize that Lady Russell stood between him and Anne, and he is willing to confront her in the most polite way possible and out of Anne's hearing. Persuasion gives us the dark side of an innocuous mentor who has a character's best interest supposedly at heart. Once Anne casts aside her long-term mentor's advice, she begins to make the decisions that offer her a chance for happiness. We have no guarantee of happiness, but not reaching for it is a guarantee that we will be unhappy. That is the lesson that Anne's prior experience taught her. Initiation and Transformation Meeting the mentor is the first stage of the initiation and transformation section, the long middle of the story. The mentor offers the first opportunity for the protagonist to begin to judge information without dependence on others. Authority is the first of the six ways of knowing, but transformation cannot occur if we always listen to what someone else tells us. The protagonist must become self-reliant. A team is acceptable. 
but the protagonist has to choose to participate in that team, whatever role assigned. Of the five other ways of knowing, tenacity to tradition, acceptance of basic assumptions, and prior experience, are all part of the former ordinary world that the protagonist has had to abandon. Once the protagonist encounters the mentor, the only two acceptable ways of knowing are common sense and reason. Social constructs avoid common sense and reason and cling to authority and tradition, basic assumptions, and prior experience. The hero's journey, however, is creating an individual intent on personal motivations, not society's blind obedience and the feared mob mentality. As Carl Jung says, the individual is being separated and distinguished from the societal collective. The encounter with the mentor starts that transformation and initiates the protagonist to the harder decisions and battles to come. Should you want more information on mentors, I devoted an entire chapter to them in Discovering Characters, the book preceding this one and the Discovering series. What do writers want to know about plot? What do writers need to know about plot? The right focus is taking a comprehensive view of plot, the structure that develops characters, genre expectations, major story structures, pacing, tension, suspense. We cover it all in this series entitled Discovering Your Plot from M.A. Lee's Guidebook of the Same Name. Writers will discover unexpected insights and methods that deepen their understanding of this major craft in the storytelling world. Thanks for listening to The Right Focus, a podcast for writers at all levels, hosted by M.A. Lee from Writers, Inc. Books, assisted by Remy Black and Edie Runes. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Music is licensed through Audio Jungle called Background Music Loop. Its creator is Alexander Polishchuk, known on Audio Jungle as Plastic 3. The music comes in different iterations. Show notes and resource links for this and other episodes can be found at therightfocus.blogspot.com. Write to us at winkbooks at aol.com when you have questions, comments, and speculations. We will try to answer you as quickly as possible. By the way, we will not mind your email address. That's rude. If you find value in our content, share with your writing friends or write a review. We're small beans here without the advertising budget of the big peeps, and you can make a difference. And whatever occurs, right on.